Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Oh, command me, Lord. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us. All that once was good, and it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Hello, and welcome to the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, We are episode... I'm almost hesitating to say the episode number... Um, because we've had so many different things that we've recorded lately that are completely out of order. So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This should be episode number 240. Yes, they're doing point episodes. Fingers I know, yeah. Or all, the, non, or all the non uh, non-movie episodes are like 0.4. The non-80s movie stuff. It's We're on episode 239.1. Right. Mm-hmm. West Wing, Weekly, like... West Wing Weekly will do that. They'll throw some randomness in there and they'll give oh, a special really? number. Okay. All right. It's going to start sounding like star dates if I start doing that, though. I would, yeah. You could do supplementals, too. That's what yeah. Mission Log does. They'll do a, a supplemental, which is an interview. It's not an episode podcast. Okay. All right. It's a thought if you're worried about the numbering scheme getting too haywire on you. Not really. Well, there you I go. Get... At, at some point, I got to catch up with the Nerdist podcast. I'm not even sure they're still going, but I got to catch up with them, and they're on like episode number 900 and something. He uh, he's still going, but I feel like he's renamed it now. It, yeah, he, he renamed it a while ago to the ID10T podcast. Yeah, because he and Nerdist kind of broke off from each other. I guess their whatever deal they had kind of expired, and so mm-hmm. he broke off with his own thing. And then he was either accused of some things there for a while and stopped his mm-hmm. show for a little bit and. So I, yeah, that and this American life, like I'm trying to catch up. We've got, we've oh, only got like, we've only got like 700 episodes to go to catch up with them. So at least 700 <laughs> and, and action comics and detective comics this year. Uh, I think action actually was last year. Detective comics just a couple weeks ago hit issue number 1000. So I'm like, I got to catch up with these, with the comic books and we're, we're going to keep going at least until we get to issue to episode number 1000. And then we'll see what happens from there. Wow. I don't know what that's ambitious. I don't know what year we'll be in. Let's see if it's, if we're almost two fifty, and we've been doing this for what, four years. Mm. So what we've got 12 more years. Yeah. 12 more years. We'll be 2001. So it'll be what? 2031. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So in 2031, we'll hit uh, episode number 1000 and maybe we'll just decide to stop the podcast at that point. Wait a minute, wait a minute, what year? 2031. We'll have gotten to the Matrix, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm yeah. sad to see it go, but... Uh, we'll be building the Matrix, won't we? We'll probably, we'll, we probably will live inside the Matrix. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, no guarantee that we will get to Reloaded or Revolutions, but... You know what? I'm not going to let anything bother me. It'll be a great ride for as long as it goes. Okay, that's fine. That, I think that's a good way to look at it. Because who knows if we even get that far. We'll see. 
I, at least we got to get to the Rocketeer, and then we can get to the Matrix, and then we'll see the Rocket Who. All right. So fingers crossed. I think this may be episode number two forty. Uh, very very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about. We're going to talk about Driving Miss Daisy this time. So if you don't want to be spoiled, um, I mean the title kind of gives it away. They're driving Miss Daisy. So I don't. If you want to be spoiled beyond that, feel free to keep listening. Um, leave us an iTunes review if you've not done that in the past. That really helps get the word out about the show. Um, lets us know what you're enjoying about the show. So please feel free to do that if you've got a moment. And visit our website if you want to see more about the show. Get connected up with our Letterboxd account or any of our social media accounts. Uh, if you go to thirty podcastcom that's three zero podcastcom I am joined tonight by Pat Cantagallo. Pat, how are you doing? Doing great, John. How are you? I realized in one of the last episodes I, I referred to you as Patronus. So maybe from now on, since Bo is Love Fest, maybe you're Patronus. I can take that. I can. Would take you that. Would you be willing to be my Patronus? I'll be your Patronus, man. I'm coming ward off the mentors as much as often as you need. Okay. Um, you know, but but don't don't feel like it needs to be like a, uh, a consolation nickname. I mean, Love Fest. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, so I mean, not you know. It'll happen. It's, I'll get a nickname at some point. I was just trying to think of something that might fit. So It might fit. You know, we can try it out. Okay. Love Fest or Bo, how are you doing? I'm quite well, John. How are you this lovely evening? Good. Are you feeling the love tonight? I am, as okay. always. Okay. I, I'm, I'm a little worried. Oh, actually, no. I, I mentioned last one of the last times that Jeff and I were talking, and he kept trying to remember what your nickname was now. Mm. And he kept coming up with, like, is it, is it like Love Love Shack? love whatever and i said and he i forget what it was that he said but i said are you talking about brother love from the wwf and said, no there you go no but that's a good one too so so all we need is a, a video of you you know getting completely red-faced and saying i love you just like brother love snap into a slim jim oh yeah the cream the cream always rises to the top though it's true all right. Well, I think we need to jump on into this week in 89 and then get going with uh, Driving Miss Daisy. So this week in 89, it is the week of April 24th to about the 30th, 1989. Uh, this was this was actually a fairly busy week for some some different events, um, some not so great events, a couple people dying, but um, we'll, we'll just go on ahead. So on April 26th, Lucille Ball dies of a heart attack oh. in 1989. Uh, on April 27th, students in Beijing take over Tiananmen Square. On April 30th, Siskel and Ebert film their 500th episode of their TV show. So see, they got to 500 episodes. So we've got, we're about halfway there. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. All right. April 30th, uh, two things happened on April 30th. The World Wide Web launched in the public domain and Italian director of Spaghetti Westerns, Sergio Leone, died on April 30th. Top book was The Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie. The top movie was Pet Cemetery, And the top song was Like a Prayer by Madonna. All right. I think we're just going to jump on into our Driving Miss Daisy background information here. So Driving Miss Daisy came out on the 15th of December, 1989, rated PG, with a runtime of one hour, 39 minutes, directed by Bruce Beresford, who also did Breaker Morant and The Fringe Dwellers. Uh, and then producers for this one were Lily Finney Zanuck and Richard D. Zanuck. And between the two of them, uh, they also produced Cocoon, True Crime, and Jaws. Uh, a little movie with a little shark fishy thing. I don't know. I've, I think I've heard of it vaguely. Um, right around this one was Alfred Urey, who did the play and the screenplay. Uh, also wrote Mystic Pizza. 
Cinematography done by Peter James, who did Alive and Black Robe. Music by Hans Zimmer, who did Gladiator, Man of Steel, Dunkirk, and Rain Man. Budget was $7.5 million, and the box office was $145.8 million. Rotten Tomatoes Critics gives an 82%. Rotten Tomatoes Audience is an 81%. IMDb is a 74%. Letterboxd is a 66%. And CinemaScore an A+. Starring Morgan Freeman as Hoke Colburn, who was in the Shawshank Redemption and Seven. And don't worry, guys, I will not make you do a Morgan Freeman impersonation this time. Uh, Jessica Tandy died in 1994. She was Daisy Worthen. She was in Cocoon and Fried Green Tomatoes. Dan Aykroyd played Bully Worthen. He was in Blues Brothers, Ghostbusters, and The Great Outdoors. Patty LuPone played Florine Worthen. She was in Witness and Heist. Esther, uh, let's see, Esther Roll died in 1998. She was Idella, and she was in Maud and the TV show Good Times. And then Joe Ann Havrilla played Miss McClatchy. She was in Hairspray and Her Alibi. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a second. My mother's a little high-strung. The fact is, you'd be working for me. She can say anything she likes, but she can't fire you. I wouldn't be in your shoes if the sweet Lord Jesus come down and asked me himself. I don't need you. I don't want you. And I don't like you saying I'm rich. What are you doing? I'm trying to drive you to the stove. You're speeding, I can see it. We're only doing about 19 miles an hour. I like to go under the speed limit. But speed limit's 35, yeah. Nothing came easy. Morning, Miss Daisy. You leave my flower bed alone. They didn't connect. I just love a house of pictures, Miss Daisy. I don't want you nosing through my things. They couldn't agree. You took the wrong turn at Old Palatka. Well, now you took it with me, Miss Daisy. And you got the man. They wouldn't give in. Well, I'll help you to the door. Thank you, Hoke. I can help myself. Now, ain't just some back of the neck you look at while you're going wherever you got to go. I'm a man. But from place to place... I ever tell you about the first time I leave the state of Georgia? When was that? A few minutes back. <laughs> from season to season... It's not a Christmas present. Oh, no. Well, go on, open it up. Well, look at that. Ain't nobody never given that book before, Miss Daisy. For 25 years, they shared each other's lives. You are not to be driving anything the way you see. Now you know how I can see, less than you can look out my eyes. And touched each other's hearts. Hope? Yes. You're my best friend. Morgan Freeman, Jessica Tandy, Dan Aykroyd, Driving Miss Daisy. Did you have the air condition checked? I told you to have the air condition checked. I don't know what for. You don't never allow me to turn it on. Hush up. Goodbye. Good luck. Good God. All right. So I will start off by saying I had not seen this movie before, ever. This was the first time I had ever seen this movie. Was that true for anybody else? Same here. Wait, wait. Hold on. You hadn't seen this before? No. Wow. Yeah. This was like, I don't know, appointment viewing in my house growing up. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I know, and maybe just from other, maybe of times where I had seen like montages of, you know, famous movie clips. Sure. Or other movies making fun of it. 
Um, sure. You know, I, but I, I knew bits and pieces. I, I obviously knew what this movie was about. Oh yeah. But, and everyone but, has seen, you know, that image, you know, we've talked about it in other movies where there's shots from this movie that make those classic movie montages that you see on the Oscars every year. Right. You know, right. it's like when we talk uh, coming up, we have dead poet society. Well, same thing. There are scenes from these movies that are iconic and Jessica Tandy and, and Morgan Freeman in the car is it's just one of those scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, I had not seen this one before. And Pat, you said you had wow. not seen this one before. No, this was the first time I, wow. Yeah. I remember it's kind of one of those that, um, this doesn't happen to me often, guys. I'm, I'm intrigued by this. <laughs> so basically, Pat and I are going to leave now and just let you take over the rest of the show. All right, man. Uh, okay, so Pat, your first time, what did you think of the music? I liked it. Um, I liked I, I mean, that theme. Which I can't bring the mind right now, but that, that theme, I remember like, yeah, I remember hearing this theme all the time. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. It, it's been repeated and ripped off and used. and Exactly. When I... When I first clicked it on for my rewatch, I wasn't in the room when like it started rolling, mm-hmm. but I heard that song and I was like, "Oh, I remember this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Talking about the music, I mean, that's something that, and I, I made the comments to um, to my wife when we were watching this the other day that it's funny to me how you go back and you hear Hans Zimmer from the eighties. And just in my mind, I just have this picture of Hans Zimmer now. And, and I'm picturing things like, uh, I, I know he did Inception. Did he also do Interstellar? Uh, I might have to look that up. I'm not sure. I think he did. I think, well, and, and he I did the... I would defer to your oddly encyclopedic knowledge of those things okay. most days. I th- I think he did. I mean, I think that's he's worked with Christopher Nolan a lot on some of those movies. He did the Batman movies. Um, you know, he did some of the um, Man of Steel, and so I, I think of like Hans Zimmer now, which is very, it's very electronic. It's very loud. It's very mm-hmm. kind of pulsing type music. And then you go back and you listen to this from the eighties, and it's like that's not even. Like, I, I, I can't even barely make that connection. I think of somebody like I can listen to a piece of John Williams music or James Horner or, you know, Elmer Bernstein or, or, or one of these other artists and I can listen to their music and I can say, oh yeah, I, I, I know that one right away. But uh-huh. the difference between Hans Zimmer now and Hans Zimmer then um, is just, I, and I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was that, he had a style in mind and it just wasn't commercial enough back in the eighties that, that he had to 
he had to have this almost very completely different style and, and now he's getting to do the kind of stuff that he maybe wanted to do. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm reading into these differences in music probably more than I should, but it just seems more so than any other composer that I can think of that I've listened to lately. There's just such a stark difference between his, you know, his early movie music and what he's doing today. I think some of it might have to do with the style of the movie itself. I mean, 19, whatever, uh, at Georgia. Yeah. Versus inception. Right. I think a lot of that has to do with when they're, when they're driving down the road in the Hudson at like, you know, 22 miles an hour, you're not going to get a whole lot of kind of music. No, I I don't think it's called for. Yeah. I think it speaks to his ability to inhabit the movie he's creating music for. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to, I think we've talked about, um, uh, recently we've talked about, I want to say it was Horner who tends to steal from himself a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Hans Zimmer does too, but I mean, looking at the different movies he's done, he, you know, he did pirates of the Caribbean. Right. So, I mean, talk about another iconic theme, but that's totally different from the other things he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it, it his ability to do that, I think is, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not in a bad way at all. I just, he's, he's one of the composers that I just look at and I go, I don't know that I could, I don't think that I could do what I can do with John Williams and James Horner and some of those guys. And I could pick it. Like I can hear a few notes of a piece of music and be like, Oh, that's Horner. Right. Or, Oh, that's Williams. And I think that's to to his benefit that he's adaptable enough that he can do these different types of movies and and have it sound like almost a completely different person. Now, if I had a better ear for music, I'm sure I could probably pick out things that all of his pieces have in common, like something that is a particularly Hans Zimmer kind of thing. But um, you know, I don't I don't quite have quite that ear, so I don't seem to be able to find it when I listen to his music. Just looking through his, not to completely hijack where we're going here, but just looking through his list of current composer projects, the top two that are currently filming, Dune, mm, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that's exciting. There's a new Dune movie coming out, isn't there? Yep. Yeah. Dennis Villanueva yeah. is directing. Whoa, I don't know if I knew that. Jason Momoa is officially listed on IMDb as a star. I feel like I had heard that. Duncan Idaho. Interesting. Yeah. See, now now I have a rabbit hole to go down later, and that's not good. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a box of pain. Yeah, that is totally a path I don't need to go down right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) You you didn't want to sleep tonight, did you? No. So we've now become the 30 something Dune podcast. Is that what uh, we're doing? Josh Brolin. Okay, I gotta stop. <laughs> I'll come back to that later. That's a whole nother deal. And Hans Zimmer is doing the music for it? Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, Hulk just drove Bo right off a cliff. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I'm I'm I'm, I'm back now. <laughs> no, you're you're good. You're good. But yeah, so I you know, seeing this for the first time, like I said, this was one of those that I you know, it has the iconic scene of obviously him driving her in the car. Um 
but yeah, I, I really like this movie. Like it was really, you know, it was very, very well shot. You know, the actors were amazing in it. Um, the one thing I will say, both Sharon and I, when we watched this, and she had seen it before, and, and she remembered a lot of it because I think it, her grandmother really liked this movie, and I, I feel like they watched it several times together. I think mine did too. I think that's part okay. of why I've seen it so many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the one thing we both commented on was, and and we didn't really, I don't think we really talked too much while the movie was going, but I had almost the exact same thought that she did uh, at some point during the movie, and we both said this when the movie was over. When we were watching, uh, when the Christopher Robin movie came out, the, the Winnie, Winnie the Pooh movie that came out last year, I think it was, um, when that movie came out, it got a lot of criticism for being too slow. Mm. Like people were like, it's very sweet, but it's really slow. Like there's not a lot of action in this. There's not a lot going on. It's very slow. And we, Sharon and I actually got really frustrated with that. We're like, well, it's a Winnie the Pooh movie. Like, what do you want it to have car chases? You want it? What do you expect? It's all that's what it's car supposed chases to be. all the time, right? A, a, a giant, you know, ticker chase that's just like the pod racing scene in episode one, sure, uh, just bouncing everywhere. Um, but I kind of had the same feeling when, when you know, when I was watching this movie and not in a negative way, but there were several times in this movie that I thought, wow, this movie's slow. Mm -hmm. and not that that's a bad thing there were a few times where i i almost got a little uncomfortable because i'm watching it and the camera there were several times that i it was noticeable to me in this movie where the camera lingered on a shot about a second or two longer than i thought it would and i was like hmm aren't we are we ready to move on to the next shot here are we hmm this is interesting and it just kind of the way it was filmed and I, and, and I'm not saying that to say that it was a bad thing. Like I'm not criticizing that at all. It just was noticeable to me. And I was like, okay, this obviously the feel of this movie is we're moving at a slower pace. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't want him to drive faster than whatever, 20 some miles an hour. Um, whatever it was. My husband taught me you right. use less gas. If you go slower, mm -hmm. who's, who's paying for the gas. Who's paying for the car? Um, so yeah, so that I mean that was something that I noticed and something that I think was appealing about this movie. You know, after after watching, you know, after having gone to see Shazam and see all these other action movies lately, which, which are good, and I'm I'm not criticizing those either. It's nice every once in a while to have a bit of a a palate cleanser like this. That's just it's just a slow, nice story. And I feel like you don't get a lot of movies like that anymore. It's like our, our attention span has been hyped up to, you know, to 11 and we just don't, you know, oftentimes I don't feel like we just sit and enjoy a slow moving movie. Right. But that's, that's one of the things I really liked about this movie is that it's still, you had the progression of time. You got to see them together. Um, and even though it was a slow moving movie, it didn't feel like it was an overly long movie. It's not. It's only yeah. 95 minutes, I think. It's right. not yeah. a long film. You want to be yeah. faster. I mean. Well, and I've, and I've sat through 90-some minute movies that felt like they were three hours. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. And I've sat through and I've sat through three hour movies that felt like they were 90 minutes. And this is one of those movies that it was like it it was it was a 90 minute movie and it didn't move very fast, but it also didn't feel like it took forever. I so think, just, just the way it was all put together, I really enjoyed it. I, really I think liked part it. of that has to do with the fact that you sort of feel like this movie should go slower mm-hmm. because they're going slower. Their right. way of life is slower. Things down there, they just don't quite move as fast, you know? Well, they, they do, right. I mean, that's I'm, I'm from the South. I was going to say, you would know. It's even... Things, life definitely... Now, when I visited family lately and we've gone to, you know, places like Austin, Texas, yes, things are still slower than they are up around here. But, you know, when you get near the major cities, it's life moves a little bit faster, but you get into the country and things just, you know, nobody's in a real hurry. Everybody talks a little bit slower. Set a spell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just so yeah, no, I the the pacing of the movie kind of really did a nice job of reflecting the both the time period and the region that it was supposed to be taking place in. And the fact that and, and I kind of wondered about that too. I was like, well, the, I mean, these are these are two great actors, and I know that this is an award-winning movie. Um, it's gonna be pretty much the two of them together the entire time. So can the can the two of them just riding around in a car carry this entire movie and the answer is yes yeah a most resounding yes it was and i you know it was interesting how they touched on the the race piece i mean it wasn't and i know boy i know you know you're you're asking for trouble when i'm going to make this next statement but i i kind of wanted to search and see you know what was the reaction to it it's definitely there but I mean, you know, like when the police officers pull them over and, um, you know, just seeing how people, you know, the fact that all the servants are African-American, it's, I mean, it's right there, but it's not like they're approaching, you know, they don't really discuss it very much. I mean, there's just a couple of things like when they go to hear Dr. Martin Luther King speak and all that, but it's really... I mean, it does seem like a genuine friendship between the two of them. So it's kind of set within that. I mean, the movie deals with race, but it's not about race. Right. I mean, does that sound like an accurate description? I think so. Yeah, I, think I would say so. You get the idea that her, some of her attitudes would have been totally, totally the same, regardless of his skin color. Mm-hmm. Like, some of it was just her that she was older and she was kind of set in her ways and she had a certain way she wanted things and and regardless of whether he was african-american or you know white or or whatever she was probably going to talk to people that way or she was probably going to be you know this she's very particular about how she wants things done and um yeah so I, i thought they did a nice job of that the only time where it kind of took me out of of that a little bit was I liked how they were handling it all and and none of the none of the kind of look at the race piece of it I felt was too on the nose except for when the cops pull them over mm-hmm. and then as they're driving away the one cop makes a comment about uh you know he uses the n word uh and he says you know uh, uh that and uh a Jewish woman riding together and he makes some comment and and you know talks about the two of them that way that's the only part that I thought, no, I, you, I still get the same message if you don't have that little comment in there. Like that part I almost felt was like, 
was was unnecessary was maybe a little bit too on the nose with the racism piece of it um like i i still get what's going on like i get the implied you know the cops are here because he's a black man standing outside of a, a very nice looking car in alabama in the 19 whatever it was 50s or 60s so i think that was the only time that little comment the cops make as they're driving away that was the only time that maybe it, it took me out of that feeling of of that i like the way that they were handling the the kind of racial tension there uh do you have any particular favorite scenes or favorite lines or anything else from the movie hmm. the cars were all nice yeah. cars were very nice i'm not even a car person i was like those are some pretty sweet cars I'll tell you, I thought the scene at the end when he's feeding her the cake or pie or whatever it was. Yeah. Such a, such a I just thought that was just. Uh, is it when she takes his hand and says, um, you're my best you're friend? You're my best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite is when they're packing to go on the trip. That whole scene where he uh, he shows up and she says, you're late. And then that whole sequence till Dan Aykroyd shows up and then. <laughs> It just goes through. She just wants to leave. She's yeah. told everybody she's leaving by a quarter of eight, but it's seven sixteen, and she's mm-hmm. ready to go now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that the bit about that. Did you check the air conditioning? Well, I don't know why you won't let me turn it on. Just that whole scene there is is it kind of encapsulates the movie in that one scene. You see all the interactions with her, her son, and Hoke. You see a little bit of a microcosm of the movie in that scene there. And you even see a little growth because you can see that at that point, you know, a hoax. Okay. Teasing her back a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I like that when he negotiated for his position, would you believe that they offered me? <laughs> you know, just... Yeah. Name my salary. And Akron's got it figured out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, and it's 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 just cool how that went. And then he says, you know, I gotta be honest, it's kind of nice having people watch you around or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ever had people fight over you? <laughs> I, yeah, I um, yeah, that was cool. That was cool, and cool to see Dan Aykroyd in a in a serious role too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, uh, last week when we were going to talk about Dead Poets Society, uh, we mentioned that uh, uh, Dan Cooper, I'm guess we next week talk about Dead Poets Society, we'll mention that uh, uh, it's a serious role for Robin Williams and Colstein kind of stretches wings in that area. And I think the same thing for Dan Aykroyd. Now, I, I don't think it was necessarily as poignant as a role as the Keating character was, but it's it's cool to see him do something that's more more serious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This kind of reminded me of, um, and I, I off the top of my head, I'm having trouble recalling what year that is, but um, kind of reminded me a little bit of his role in the movie My Girl. Yes. A little bit more of a serious role. Um, you know, kind of taking that, I think it was, was it 90 or 91 sometime around then. Um, but yeah, it kind of reminded me of, of his part in that movie. Yeah. I just, I really like this movie. I, for the first time seeing it, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was, you know, I knew it was going to be a good movie. I just didn't know if I was going to like it. Um, 
you know, cause I can watch a movie and appreciate it for being an award-winning movie with great performances and all that. And I'd be like, well, yeah, I, it's, it's a quality movie. I just don't know if I like it or not, but no, this one, I, I genuinely, I mean, I really, I'd watch just about anything Morgan Freeman was in. Um, you know, every movie I've ever seen with him in it has been a movie I've enjoyed. So I don't know if it's just him, but just the, the, the story was good. The, the pacing of the movie was good. The music, the actors, all these performances, um, you know, just, just an overall fun movie, fun movie and a way of getting a message across. That's not too heavy handed as well. Yeah. I, you know, and it's, it's interesting because, um, and I, I mean, I guess, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear what you say about the cops. I didn't, that scene didn't, didn't take me out of it so much for me. It's, it's I'm going to compare this to, uh, the Butler with, um, I forget the guy's name. He was in good morning Vietnam. Is it Forrest Whitaker? Yes. Forrest yes, yes. Forrest Whitaker. Yep. And he, so I kind of find myself comparing it to this. And I mean, I really like this movie. I, mm-hmm. I liked the friendship. I liked seeing two all-star actor actors, you know, really, you know, carry this movie. I mean, I liked all those things, but what struck me about that scene when the police pulled him over was, you know, I didn't feel heavy-handed. I mean, I know when you were mentioning the scene was okay, it was the one line, if I, I don't want to misquote you there. But when I compared it to The Butler, it, it almost seemed like what they did in the movie The Butler, because they were jumping through so many different time periods, and maybe that was the point of it, but they seemed to show a little bit more of the civil rights movement and so forth. And in, in this movie it was kind of like they, they just kind of brushed over it. Now, I'm not trying to say that, you know, these the movies came out at different times, and maybe in 1989, as a society, we weren't ready to kind of, like, see that. So maybe this kind of, that this movie kind of opened the door for something like The Butler that, to then step through. But, and I, I know I'm, you know, I'm watching it in 2019, so that's the lens that I'm going to use to look at it. But that scene almost... I, I thought it was good because it showed a little bit of a um, maybe a little bit of a dose of reality to it. That yeah. There, there were these problems, and uh, you know we're we're still we're still trying to figure them out today. Um, well, and that that's that that was not necessarily the the reason for that movie. The reason for that movie was not necessarily to to solve the problems of the civil rights movement or to even have that be a a vehicle for you to understand the civil rights movement better. I think what, I think you're right. I think what it is, is it's just, this is just a movie about a relationship between two people. Yep. They happen to be different races. They happen to be different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, They happen to be different religions, but it's really just about their relationship. It's not about, and I I think that's why you get those different scenes where, Yes, it's that stuff is going on in the background. You get the bombing of the synagogue. You get the bombing of, uh, or you get the the dinner with the speech. You don't ever see uh, Martin Luther King Jr. speaking, but you you know he hears it on the radio, and and they're there. But it's not that's not the focal point of the movie. The focal point is just these two people growing old together. Yeah, and and, and maybe you know as you say it, you know. In today's day and age, I mean, maybe this, you know, you look at it, I mean, everything is so fractured. 
and everything is so everyone is ready to get angry and if someone says the wrong thing or i mean it's that's done they are excommunicated they are out there is no there is no coming back from that and this this shows how that you know maybe gives us a little bit of an example of well this is no this is this is how we can all just get along yeah oh i mean yeah there are some things we disagree about but let's focus on the things that bring us together um and you know i mean you you look at that scene with the uh, uh, police officers, and in one sense, yeah, okay, it could be, okay, on the nose, they're taking a shot at him, but then all of a sudden, you know, or even the scene with the police officer, but even the scene where the, uh, the synagogue was bombed, when they discussed that, and it was like suddenly it, it started to dawn on you that, okay, well, they're from different socioeconomic classes, different walks of life, different, different, different. What do they have in common? Okay, they're two people growing old together. They're two people that in many ways kind of need each other. Um, you know, he needs a job. She needs someone to help drive her around. And, you know, they seem completely different, except they're both being, you know, they're both they're both members of a, of a group that's been persecuted, either presently or in the past or whatnot. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of that's nice about it as well, that, that this movie, it, it's, it can tackle those things and it can start those conversations, but it's not from the standpoint of this is what the movie's about, but, hey, this is how, you know, it is possible in life to kind of put those things aside and let's all take a step forward together. No, absolutely. But I'm going to freely admit, and I, I mean, I don't want to just keep prolonging this, but I, I freely admit I've always struggled with historical fiction. And that's kind of the reason is because I, it, you know, and I've, like, I've, people have tried to give me books. Oh, you got to check this out. You like history. Read this book. Well, what's it about? Well, it's historical fiction. What's historical fiction? Well, it's sort of like history, but it's fictional. And, it, and that's kind of what I struggle with because sometimes I'll, I'll see that and I'm like, okay, well, I get that the focal point of the movie is this story, but if we're looking at history, then show us the history. But then I know, and I know, I'm, and that's just kind of how I'm wired. And I'm not trying to judge or say the movie's bad or anything. But sometimes I'll like, that's cool. I love the story, but show me more of, you know, open that door a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, and, and that has no commentary. That's not my commenting on whether. It should have gone more. If this was on the nose or not on the nose, I'm just saying, for me personally, sometimes that's 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 something I struggle with, with whether it's movies or books or or whatever. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I, do we have anything else we want to say before we move on into five questions? No, I think great movie and. If, like the two of you, our listeners haven't seen it, they should. Absolutely. Go check it out. It's a really good one. Um, if we, oh, real quick, before we get into our five question stuff, um, out of five, what would you give this movie? If we, give, if we had five star total, what would you give this one? Four. Four? Okay. I Pat, just, what would you do for this one? Well, I always, I either love it or hate it, so I'm going to say five. But I, I mean, I, I don't want to just give five for everything, so I'd say four but i i don't know if i'm skilled enough in any one area that i'd say oh well i do this differently or i shoot this mm -hmm. or 
I mean, great actors and uh, great cars, great supporting cast, beautiful story. Yeah. Um, I think I'd probably do four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. You know, now I've I've seen it. It's not one that I think I'd necessarily go. I've got so many other things I want to watch. I don't think I'd go back and rewatch it unless I had a particular reason to. Um, I feel like I've seen it now. It's it's not one that's necessarily going to be a repeat viewing for me. It's not one that I'm going to seek out and just be like, oh, I, I, I need to go watch um, Driving Miss Daisy. But uh, that's not to, I don't say that because I have anything against the movie and just, I've seen it. It was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it and I have other things I'm going to watch now. But yeah, no, I'd definitely give it, you know, for a combination of all the different things that we've said, I, I would definitely give this one a four stars. Um just you know, Morgan Freeman is great. Jessica Tandy is great in this. Dan Aykroyd, um, just really, just enjoyed everything about this movie. All right, well, time for our five questions. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. Why are you asking me? For? I don't know. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And may God have mercy on your soul. Now, as with one of our last episodes, uh, five questions, I had a chance to sit down with Jeff and we recorded some of his responses to the five questions ahead of time. So the first response you hear will be a pre-recorded Jeff Mazuka giving his responses to the five questions, and then we'll go on and everybody else give their response to it as well. So, um, so that's, if it sounds a little different uh, based on the editing and everything else that we do for this, then that's what's going on there. So, our five questions for this time around question. Number one, over the years, there have been stories about people calling for an Uber or a Lyft only to discover that their driver is a celebrity, whether it's a DJ, NBA basketball star, us Senator, whatever it might be. If you were going to call for an Uber and get surprised by a celebrity, which celebrity would you most want to drive you around for a bit? Tom Hanks. Okay. Anything in particular you'd ask him or you'd want to talk about? I just think he seems very real. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I my first thought was like, oh, Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But, you know, when um, when you hear from or see Steven Spielberg in an impromptu sort of setting, he seems a little uncomfortable with it. And, you know, I... I I would feel bad that I, I was, you know, taking time of his from his day or whatever. So, but the time hangs, just seems like the guy, like, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's McDonald's. Great, let's go. I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, uh, Best Buy. Oh, good. Let's go see what movies are on sale. Mm-hmm. You know, just whatever. Like, yeah. I, th- I think he'd just be a lot of fun to to stop and and just ride around with, mm-hmm. talk to, and have different experiences with. Yeah, this might have something to do with the, all the car commercials he's been doing. Mm-hmm. But Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> there you go. I think the random conversation from an Uber driver fits right in with his shtick. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Plus that, that, that voice will lull you into a mm-hmm. pretty calm state. Yep. It's kind of take a nap in the back seat. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Mario Andretti. <laughs> I kind of figured some kind of race car driver would be the person. Pat wants to get there now. (laughs) Get there yesterday. Um, You know, there's actually a story of a Michael Schumacher, uh, Formula One driver that got 
he, his family was on vacation and he called a cab and they were late for the plane. And so he says, if you don't mind, I'll drive. And the taxi driver was like, that was the fastest trip I've ever been through Paris in my entire life. You know, it was, um, but no, I think it'd have to be something like, you know, uh, Mario Andretti or, I mean, we'll, we'll keep it to living. We'll keep it to living. Cause if mm-hmm. you say, you know, people that would have passed that that's impossible to answer. But yeah, Mario and just um, That's you know, awesome. just just hear all the great stories and and all that. So nice. nice. <clears throat> well, we do like to uh, we do like to sing along in the car. So Sharon's my wife's Sharon's answer to this was Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, excellent choice! Because we've actually, and I think we've actually seen him on the James Corden's um, yep. uh, Carpool Karaoke. Karaoke, right? He was on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with some of the other folks from Hamilton, or or one of the other uh, plays on Broadway. So that would definitely be one. My original answer was Mark Hamill. Good call. Like I, I think he would be. I, I think he'd be hilarious. Much, well, I think he probably I feel like would. He's just gonna drive. Well, and that would be totally fine too. Because he's there to do his job, man. Right. I mean, he's he's quirky <laughs> enough that he might just sit there and not say anything the exactly. entire time. But I also do feel like he's he's kind of a, you know, he'd be a good guy to sit and have a conversation with for a while. Oh, without a doubt, It'd mm-hmm. be fantastic. And I might not end up where I expect to be going, but that's totally fine. That's too. also true because he just mess with you. Could spend a little bit of time with Luke Skywalker. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, number two, a speech by Martin Luther King Jr. features prominently in this movie. Do you have a favorite line from one of his speeches or writings or, you know, a, a famous quote of his? Well, I've not done research for this question, so okay. I'm going to say probably, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Okay. Well, we're talking about one of the most quotable men of the past century. Right. But I guess one of my favorites would be, but I know somehow that only when it is dark enough, can you see the stars? Hmm. Nice. I like that one. You know, I like, and I'm going to horribly misquote it, but I mean, it, I like when he, he says that, you know, and I think it's talking about, you know, just absolute, you know, always putting forth your best effort. And it, it says something to the effect of, you know, you know, if you're going to be a street sweeper, then be the Leonardo da Vinci of street sweepers mm-hmm. so that, you know, all of heaven and all of earth will, you know, see you do your job and, and say, there goes a man that, you know, is the greatest street sweeper that ever lived or something to that effect. And it's very poetic. I'm trying to like scramble. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as a Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music Mm -hmm. or Shakespeare wrote. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. uh, a cool one. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that one. Well done. Uh, Mine. And I didn't know where it was from. Um, I mean, I've seen this one a lot, uh, but didn't know where it was from until I looked it up just the other day Uh, from one of his books. I I think from a sermon that he preached um, early on too, but from one of his books called strength to love. And the quote is darkness cannot drive Mm -hmm. out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yeah. I like that one. All right. Number three, uh, from, from something very meaningful, like Martin Luther King to talking about betting. Um, (laughs) and this story was, was on IMDb. So this direct quote from IMDb. So convinced was she that she would lose out. Jessica Tandy had a $100 bet with her agent that she would not win the Oscar for best actress. When she had to pay up on Oscar night, she told him it was the best bet she had ever lost. What's the best bet you've ever won or lost? Hmm. You know, I'm not a I'm not much of a of 
a true betting mm-hmm. type. Uh, because most of the time it does not go my way. Right. I always lose, so I don't really bet very much. You know, there was one night in Vegas when Katie and I were um, playing blackjack, and we had a really good night. I think we walked away from the table that night up about 850 mm. for the night. So that was a, that was a really That's good night. That's pretty good, yeah. Um, I mean, we went on to lose most of that as well, our trip yeah. went on. As you do. <laughs> but I think the biggest loss that I ever had wasn't so much a number as it was experience. Mm-hmm. And that was my first trip to Vegas. Okay. You know, it's it's such a glamorous trip and you know, it's it's highly touted in movies and TV shows and everyone's a winner, your mm-hmm. bells and alarms go off all over the oh, and ships pouring out and mm-hmm. My first trip to Vegas when I sucked the entire trip and mm-hmm. walked or came home definitely in the hole. <laughs> that was that was a bit much for me to uh, a little bit more. I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for the, for the, for how I was going to feel about that, mm-hmm. especially like my first night out and just losing. Like I set a budget for myself. I didn't have much money at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Set a budget for myself. I'm only spending this much a day. Mm-hmm. Went through that in the first hour. Mm-hmm. And then just decided, ah, the hell with it. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So, Vegas. Okay. Vegas highs and Vegas lows. Okay. Well, my best Vegas story. Mm-hmm. Well, I probably shouldn't say, but. You can if you want to. A couple spring breaks ago, I was meeting Katie and her family. Mm-hmm. She had, she was uh, running a meeting in Vegas. So, I was like, oh, it's spring break. I'm going to go. Yeah. And my plane was getting delayed and delayed and delayed. It was like a 4 o'clock flight. We didn't take off to like 9.30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up in a row on my plane with two other teachers from other schools mm-hmm. um, who were both starting their spring breaks. Oh, okay. And once we realized the three of us were all starting spring break, the drinks were flowing. <laughs> and I think I think I had eight little bottles of Jack Daniels on that flight. Oh, there you go. So it was like... Well, it's not like you're flying the plane. No, yeah. <laughs> Got off the plane, and another guy that was sitting near us was like, oh, the party's not stopping. And there was a bar right at the terminal where we let off the plane. And he um, he was like, come on over. He bought all of us another drink, which we all carried out of the airport into the mm-hmm. cab to our hotel. It was there great. You go. There you go. It's a recurring bet with a guy at work. Uh, we bet every season that the – I bet that the Cubs will win more than the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And we usually bet lunch or dinner or something, and it is just very satisfactory to win <laughs> and really lose because food's involved. <laughs> right. I mean, you're going to have food either way. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. Pat, what about you? I got nothing. I'm not a gambling man, so, I mean, I really don't have much that uh, I've won or lost. Okay. My answer is exactly the same. I do not bet okay. because I'm pretty much guaranteed to lose. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, we have, we do a family game night. Uh, we try to do it most Fridays, um, you know, where, where my wife's mom will come over and, um, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll play different games, but a lot of times we'll end up playing card games and we, we end up bet. We have like a a set of old poker chips and we just bet with those and we just keep track of who won, what, who won, who lost what, and there's no money involved, but it's just for, just for fun. And, um, we have determined, my wife has said that she knows that she will never lose me to gambling because I don't win anything. <laughs> so betting is not going to be my issue. So 
win or lose. I, I just won't bet because I guarantee I probably will lose. All right. Uh, favorite movie with number four. Favorite movie with the word drive or some derivation of the word drive, drive or driving, whatever, in the title. License to drive? I don't okay. know. I'm not sure if I do. No? Okay. Mm-mm. This was tougher than I thought it was going to be. Okay. I narrowed it down to two, but I want to see what you guys had. I had maximum overdrive. Okay. Good one. Uh, I guess baby driver. Okay. That was, that was one of my two. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I, I don't know that I really have, I don't think I have much else. Wasn't there a see the one I thought that you might have at least no mentioned? no it was not good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> have I picked the right movie? No, we don't speak about yeah. Don't we? No. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was Sylvester it was, Stallone. Yeah, we okay. don't. It's you know, it's let's just <clears throat> okay. Okay. Okay, I, I'd never seen it, so I didn't it's, know. If... It's it's no, it's no. It's, not good. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All right. Now I kind of want to go see it. Yeah. Right? No, you don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do see it gets a fourteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's generous. Yeah. Being okay. Generous. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll stick with Baby Driver. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, mine was, uh, yeah, I, I had narrowed it down to two. Mine was either baby driver. I just, that was a fun movie and just the soundtrack was great. And, and just, it was just a fun movie to watch Got a bunch of good actors in it. Um, my other one that I saw not too long ago was just, it, it may now be one of my favorite, uh, Nick cage movies I've ever seen. And it's drive angry. Now, have you guys seen that one before? No. I have not. Oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It is, you know, take the ridiculousness that Nicolas Cage, you know, the fact that he's become like a, a meme of himself, um, take all the ridiculousness of Nicolas Cage and the, the character that he's become. And this movie just, it, it takes all of that and just plays it all up for a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, ba- the basic premise of this movie is that he has, um, is that he died and that he has escaped from hell and it's his job to kind of, uh, he's getting revenge on the, on the man who killed his daughter and kidnapped his granddaughter. And it's just, don't go into it with any kind of high expectations for it being like quality acting or even necessarily a, a complex story. If you just want to see cars drive fast and stuff blow up and just have a, a ridiculous villain, uh, a ridiculously fun villain, um, this would be a movie, a fun movie to watch. So if you are a Nicolas Cage fan, at some point you need to check this one out. Cool. Okay. It's called Drive Angry. All right. Uh, and last question. If you were to recast this movie as a comedy... Which actors or actresses would you choose for the Daisy and Hoke roles? Daisy, I think I would choose Melissa McCarthy. Okay. Because I, I think she's hilarious. I think she has a great sense of timing. Um, Hoke? I 
I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd, it would have to be someone that has very subtle humor. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel like um, Morgan Freeman could probably play off of Melissa McCarthy yeah. just as well as he did off of Jessica Tandy. Yeah. So even though he's not a comedic actor, I'll right. still go Morgan Dan- Freeman. Danny Glover. Danny Glover would be a good one. <laughs> Getting too old for this. <laughs> Getting too old to drive you. Jamie Foxx, Betty White. Mm, okay. Betty White is on my list of... I had three women and three men that I narrowed down for this one, so Betty White was one of mine, too. Pat, mm. do you have any for this one? Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that could be good. Excellent choice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to spend some more time thinking on the other one. Okay, all right. Monica Bellucci? Could be. The age might be an issue, but, mm-hmm. you know... Well, she can wear makeup. True. True. Yeah. It's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, well, I had uh, Betty White was also one of mine. If you're, And again, if this is a comedy, uh, Betty White, I had one. I figured um, Kate McKinnon, she's wearing makeup on Saturday Night Live to look like old men half the time anyway. So um, I had her listed as one of them. And uh, I thought Carol Burnett could be a funny one too. Sure. Martha Plimpton would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the men, I had Danny Glover, and then I also had Craig Robinson uh, from The Office and Hot Tub Time Machine. Nice. And uh, just just c- completely out of left field, because I'd just like to see, I, I, I thought he was hilarious when he was on Saturday Night Live, um, Idris Elba. <laughs> oh, there you go. I think that could be funny as a, as a comedy, to have him do a, a, a comedic role. And then I also threw in uh, Morgan Freeman, because we know he can do comedy, so... Mm-hmm. If you want to come back and do a comedy version of this, that'd be totally fine too. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our driving Miss Daisy episode. Uh, so until next time we've got coming up um, our month of May. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm only waiting on, on Dennis to figure out he's still looking over the list of movies to see what he wants to narrow down for his. But in the month of May, the movies we missed month, um, and this is not in any particular order. Uh, whatever movie Dennis picks, that will be in the mix too. But uh, Pat, you have Cannonball Run, and then if we've got some time, we'll also talk about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Bo, you've got the Dream Team, uh, which I think is from this year, from '89. Yes, it is. is right? Okay. Uh, American Werewolf in London, which I believe is '81. Uh, Jeff had ET from 1982, so that'll be our month of may movies we missed episodes from the other years of the 80s uh or stuff that just didn't make our cut for our episodes in the years that we've done up to this point um beyond that at some point within the next week or two probably uh, we'll have an avengers endgame episode because most likely by the time this show comes out i will be like a day or two away from going to see it uh, or i might have already seen it who knows um, and then in June, if you're looking ahead to June, we've got Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Drugstore Cowboy, Tango and Cash, Roadhouse, and at some point in June, we will hit our 250th episode, which we uh, Jeff will be hosting that one, and we will be talking our favorite 80s cartoons. So... Uh, if you want to find out more about the show, go to 30podcast.com. Um, we are on all the different social medias as 30podcast, and uh, you can call our voicemail line if you want to talk about anything that you like about driving miss daisy or if you want to answer any of our five questions feel free to call in to the voicemail line do that or tweet at us uh send us an email however you want to do that we'd love to hear from you um so i think that's gonna do it for this time so thank you pat and thank you bo thank you john thank you john 
And thank you all for listening. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time.